Good morning, everyone. Hi, everyone online. Um, I'm so glad you made it. I'm so glad the one hour didn't throw you off, you guys. Like, <laughs> I know we're all just don't nap, okay? Like, try and keep your heads up. <laughs> but um, it's so great to be together. I look forward to Sunday so much, like, just to see faces and, and be together again. And this morning, we're going to continue. Um, if, I don't even know. Some of you may not know that we're even in the middle of this series because it's been so long since um, it was before Christmas that we left off from this series in the Old Testament of broken people, unbreakable grace. And I don't know, I think it was a vote of confidence that Tom went on vacation last week and left me with one week to cover Moses. Like, like seriously, I should have asked for a few more. So we are not going to get, it's an impossible task to cover Moses in one week. And so if you came this morning hoping to hear about plagues and rods and snakes and bread and quail falling from the sky, you're going to have to go and read Exodus this week. And I really, really encourage you to do that um, because like, it's a, it's a great read. It's a really good read. And um, even a bad movie version takes two hours, so I have not two hours. So, um, so I don't know about you, but when we look at Old Testament characters, um, it starts to feel sometimes like a list that there's this perfect like list of character traits that you have to have to put together of all the Old Testament characters that make you a perfect Christian. You know, you need to be brave like David, amazing, faith like Abraham, wise like Joseph, build an ark like Noah, like you just have to know all these things. But it's really not the intention of a series like this. The intention is for us to see how God um, works and God meets people and God meets a ragtag bunch of people just like we all are, and I say that lovingly, um, and he keeps being God, and he keeps showing up. So this is where we've come from. I'm not even going to like come go through this slide other than to say, um, if you have missed any of the messages or you want to go back and listen to them, they're all online. And um, the amazing thing is, like I said, is the takeaway is that God is still God and still working. And we catch a glimpse of God working his redemption plan in the lives of people in the Old Testament and throughout history. And today, Moses is going to be added to that list. So as I mentioned, we're not going to cover the whole story of him, but I really want to zoom in today on just a couple of traits um, and behaviors of Moses that were true for him um, and can be true and, and characterize our lives now in 2022. So it's found, as I said, his story in Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible, but it also goes through Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but that, which is a long read, but read the Exodus part. It's, it is really, really awesome. And it, it follows along as we follow his life story with him leading God's people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt and through their journey into the promised land of Canaan. And it fulfills this covenant bond of love that God made with his Hebrew people. There's huge theological themes and symbolism and ties to the New Testament. But like I said, we're not going to get to all that today, but hopefully you'll walk away with something from Moses' life that we can, we can think about this week. So I'm actually going to start in Deuteronomy, which is at the end of the story. And I don't want to be, um, what's it called? Like a spoiler alert. But like Moses dies. I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. So we're going to start with his death, um, which is in Deuteronomy 34. I know it's an up note to start on. Um, verse 1. So let's read through uh, this together. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. 
There the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, and the Lord, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Now, you might, I'm just going to go back one slide, you might be like, Leanne, what the heck? You highlighted the wrong part. Like, there's all these amazing signs and wonders, and he's the best, and no one has ever. And then this is the, the, the phrase that jumped out of me when I read Moses' story, whom the Lord knew face to face. And when you then keep going in numbers, and you see that this was a little parentheses that is added about, about Moses. And it's funny, it comes at a time when people are kind of questioning, well, what a, so what about Moses? And it says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And I don't know about you, but we've just come through this series of the Disruption Ready Church, and the Second Chronicles verse that we ended with there just kept, has, has really just kept ringing in my, my mind. And as I read this story of Moses and those two phrases jumped out. I don't know if it sounds familiar, but we ended Disruption Ready Church on Second Chronicles 7.14 with, if my people who are called by name, my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. Sensing a theme there? Yeah. So here we come to our big idea today. God works in us and through us when we position ourselves face to face with him in a posture of humility. And I don't know about you, but we, EHS, if you had seen our advanced planning calendar that we do with all the weeks, you would, you would not believe how many times like the pieces have moved and we've like what lines up with what. And the synchronicity that has kind of just ended up coming through, God has worked amazingly of where the EHS matches with the series that, we're, that uh, he's, he's put on God's, uh, Tom's heart to do and that. And last week you guys did daily office, right? And I don't know how you went this week with um, spending some time regularly with God. Maybe daily office wasn't a term that really rung with you. For some people it helps them feel like, yes, I'll put it on my calendar and I'll put it in my time. Hopefully this morning this, this idea of being face-to-face with God might just give you another way to think about um, your time with God. So let's look at this uh, phrase, position face-to-face. Um, panim, which is the Hebrew word, so panim al panim, is one of the prolific Hebrew words uh, in the Old Testament, and it shows up 2,100 times. And its modern translation is like face, literal, but it's 
sort of historical translation was presence. So it's this concept of meeting with God presence to presence. Now, when I say that or face-to-face, I am sure you can picture automatically what face-to-face is like. You know, it's two people pretty close together. They don't mind being that close together um, at each other. I have, like, this is my 21, 22 version of face-to-face with my, my girls who live, like, in Ohio and Massachusetts. The proximity isn't there, but it's definitely... Um, you know, face-to-face, and I can tell exactly how the call is going to go when that face comes up. And I'm sure right now you can picture someone that you're used to being face-to-face with. You could probably tell me, like, what their eye colour is. You could tell me where that freckle or that dimple is on their face. You too could read their expression probably without any words because you've spent time, you know that person behind that face. You have experience things with them, you've like talked with them. And so this, this concept of face-to-face is probably one that's easy for us to picture. And it, it goes on in Exodus 33:11 to say, the Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face as one speaks to a friend. And this gives us like an understanding automatically about Moses and God, right? We can picture it. So the sense is God spoke with him freely familiarly and immediately, and not as he did to other prophets in dreams or visions or by an angel. He spoke as one speaks to a friend, which intimates not only that God revealed himself to Moses with greater clearness than any other of the prophets, but with greater expressions of kindness and love. He spoke not like a king to a subject, but a man to a friend who he loves and who he loves spending time with. And even God in Numbers 12 says, with him I speak face to face, Clearly and not in riddles, he sees the form of the Lord. I mean, that's just like blows my mind, right? And this is so. And he appeared to God. Uh, God appeared to Moses in various forms. He started off as a bush that never that was on fire and that it never extinguished. He spoke um, with like a sound of a trumpet. He appeared as columns of fire and cloud and smoke and darkness. He was so confident, Moses was so confident that in seeing God in all these forms that it was actually God that he was meeting with, that he stood in front of the Pharaoh and said, the God of Hebrews meets with us or with me when he was standing with Aaron. So I don't know about you, I don't think I haven't seen any fire or smoke or columns of um, darkness when I've been meeting with God, but he does appear to us. And we talk about this face-to-face. I don't know if God has an actual literal face and that's like another whole sermon series because in actually Moses actually as he's drawing close to God actually asks him to show him his face or show him his glory if you want to read what God how God responds to Moses in there go to Exodus 33 and follow that story and it it distracts us a little bit because wouldn't we all love to like see God physically when, when we meet with him. But if we, we get stuck on that, we miss the fact that this is an intimate relationship, an intimate time that God is talking about, and he wants that for us. I think uh, Ben mentioned last week when he finished up about the context of what was happening in Egypt at the time. The, the Hebrew people were slaves. Pharaoh had them working day and night. He didn't give them any acknowledgement of them being people. He didn't give them any rest. He didn't give them any identity. And then here we have Moses coming along to lead them. And he's saying, guess what, people? 
God wants to know you personally. God wants to meet with you like he meets with me face to face. The first interaction Moses had with God was him calling him by name. So it's the same for us today. God wants to call us by name. He wants to meet with us face to face. Um, Now, another whole part of uh, the story in Exodus is a lot about who gets to meet with God and where, and the priests and the tabernacles and the veils and the sacrifices and all that. And that, again, is another whole sermon that we could go down. But guess what? Because we live after Jesus, we don't even have to worry about any of that. Our truth is that through Jesus, God has made a way for all of us to come face to face with him. He has broken any separation, anything that would get in the way. We don't need any intermediaries. Um, Jesus' death, which swallowed up our sins, sent them to the grave, gives us freedom to meet with God face to face. And God calls us to sit and speak with him as a friend. So we asked, did Moses see his face? Now we can ask, did he actually hear his voice? Wouldn't it just be so cool to hear God speak? And we get really discouraged sometimes because we're like, it would be so great for him to just audibly answer our prayers. And I think probably Moses did hear God's voice. Um, But you know what? And this is a really quick recap of um, our prayer series in January. There is so many ways that God does speak to us today as as we spend time with him. And yes, I started off and the first three were P's, so I had to keep going because, you know, like I've got posture, I've got uh, position, and now we're going to go down this list of P's. But, you know, he does. He lets us know he is present with us. We have sometimes, even just by looking at nature or looking around us, we have this overwhelming sense of his presence. He gives us peace when we meet with him. He sometimes might not give us an answer, but he gives us perspective on a situation. And and even though we might not be moving to the place we want to get as we sit and wait, we have a different perspective. He answers prayers. He gives us the pages of scripture with all his promises. See what I did there? Another one, another P. (laughs) Um, Promises. He provides for us daily as a way of speaking to us as he meets our needs. He puts people in our path and into situations that... We desperately need to hear from him. And as we give and we, uh, and we focus on the poor, he also brings our heart and our, our focus to seeing his face in all the others around us. Now, I'm going through that list really quick because I asked Ben to share. Um, last week, he did it via video. Today, he gets, you guys get the live version because he just has this really cool story about God speaking. And I, want it to, I really would like to encourage you that this isn't a thing about... Moses was so special. God spoke to him. I really do believe God speaks with us, um, you know, daily and in lots of different ways. So I'm going to hand it over to Ben. Um, well, good morning again. Um, so yeah, Leanne, I shared the story uh, during one of our planning meetings, and uh, Leanne asked me if I could share this with everybody. So as she was preparing today. So um, as many of you know. Um, Brittany and I are expecting our first child in Woo-hoo. June. <laughs> um, so it's very, very exciting. Um, and we, we decided to find out the gender of our baby um, just so we could plan and prep. And I don't know what it was, but I think in our minds and, and probably in actually most of our family's minds, we were having a girl for whatever reason. And uh, we found out that we're actually expecting a baby boy. So, uh, which is super exciting, super exciting. Um, but part of me uh, just all of a sudden felt an even greater responsibility um, 
and a little bit of anxiety, a little greater anxiety, um, because all of a sudden, um, for me, it felt like, okay, how am I going to raise uh, a son and a, a man, a righteous man who loves God? And, um, you know, I, I think part of me probably wrongly thought, oh, well, if I have a girl, you know, like, she can model after Brittany, and, you know, Brittany's such a great role model, and, you know, I can just, like, you know, love her, and, you know, um, so with a son, you know, it, it just really, I was like, okay, this is, this is real, right, um, and so um, I spent a lot of time just, just talking with the Lord and, and kind of wrestling with it a little bit, because I, I don't think I had been expecting it, and so as I was uh, just praying and praying and, and um, you know, kind of like, okay, Lord, like, you know, show me how, how to raise my son. Um, and so there was one week where we were in Stratford and, uh, you know, service was over and started cleaning up. And all of a sudden, um, the Roshanskis have a little boy who's about, I think, two years old. And um, he's never done this before. But that week, he just started following me around, and he started wanting to help me close all the bins and move everything back to where it was supposed to be, and he wanted to help me carry my guitar, and he just followed me around the entire time, um, just wanting to help me. And when all was said and done, um, you know, everything took about twice as long, (laughs) but uh, it really just warmed my heart. And through that experience, you know, uh, Leanne had on that list people. Um, He didn't say anything, but I just felt God's peace just wash over me through Timothy's presence, just being there with me, wanting to follow me. Because I think one of my fears is that my son won't want to be with me or won't like me for whatever reason. Um, and so, and so that was just really heartwarming for me. And that, in that moment, I just felt God's peace just come over me and just having that sense of him saying to me, like, it's okay, I will teach you along the way of how to raise your son. Um, and so that was just an awesome moment. And, um, you know, I just thanked his parents. It's like, you guys don't even know how much that time just meant to me. Um, so, and that's... That's how I felt God was uh, kind of answered my prayers for that. Yay! Isn't that cool? Like we worship a dynamic, vital, living God. Like when we say that we hear the same God that Moses spoke with, it's not this like static 13th century BC God. It's like a God who's actively involved and penetrating every like part of this world today, every part of our lives. He sees you, he hears you, he's concerned for you. And um, when we position ourselves face to face with God, we're invited into this space to know him and be known by him. Um, Thank you for being so authentic and vulnerable, Ben, because it's hard sometimes to admit like my kid might not like me. Like, that's about, like God hears that and he, he, he hears our heart. So our first part is done. We position ourselves face to face. The second part with Moses is this humble spirit that he had. And, you know, it's just so hard to imagine his humility when he, the list that was given is like, you know, there's been no prophet that's ever risen like him. He's never performed anything so awesome and mighty and the power that he had. 
And I found um, this quote that's just jumped out of, out of the pages of that Dallas Willard book that we've been reading um, about hearing God that says, humility opens a way for God to work. And so as we look at this idea of being humble before God as we meet with him face to face, it's so exciting because it opens the way for God to work in us. So a lot of translations in, interchange humility with meekness in this verse. Um, and meekness is not a word that we use a lot. I think humility or humble is something that we can grasp onto a little bit um, easier. But I wanted to cover both kind of in this section because I think together they give a really rounded kind of a version of what's happening here. And um, so humility is the state of our mind towards self and meekness is more the state of our heart towards others. And I love this mind-heart thing because it is where God's love dwells in us, you know, in so many verses in the New Testament call us to set our mind and our heart on him. And so I'm going to read um, just two kind of sections of def definitions about humility and meekness. And um, I want you to sort of maybe use it as like, a, not a checklist, but like a time that the Spirit might be able to say to you, oh, yeah, I, I, that's me. I, I've got that part down. Or, oh, okay, I might need to think about that a little bit differently. Or it might even just be that God, the Holy Spirit illuminates something for the first time in kind of your understanding of this um, humility and meekness. Moses' ability, and I'm, he did not start here. If you read Exodus, he didn't start fully humble, most humble person on earth. He kind of got there as he, as he journeyed with God. Um, but his ability to, to understand who God um, was, um, how God's eyes saw him, and then to keep in his heart through all the circumstances that happened, this heartbeat for the people of Israel, really just captured this humility and meekness in him and you can see why God was able to move so amazingly through him. So here's humility for you to think about. This is an attitude or a quality of mind whereby a person holds low esteem of their own goodness and importance. Spiritually, one humbles themselves because they realize their sinfulness and therefore they're willing to depend on God to meet their needs. It is the opposite of pride, haughtiness, and self-exaltation. The Hebrew word anav that, that is used here does not mean an untruthful lack of appreciation of yourself or your attainments, but rather a lack of arrogance. To be anav means to recognize your true worth, but not to impose the consequences of this on your friends and neighbors. It means to appreciate your own talents, neither overemphasizing nor underselling them, but at the same time refraining from making others aware of your virtues at all times. So it's humility. So then now moving to meekness. And this is, like I said, a hard, it's a hard word to, in English because we, we automatically go to weakness, I think, is our, our automatic connection. But it's, it's the complete opposite. The Greek, when um, in the New Testament, when it talks about being meek, is it's strength under control or seeing out your own position in relation to others. So meekness is an active and deliberate acceptance of undesirable circumstances that are wisely seen by the individual as only part of a larger picture. Meekness is not a resignation to fate. It is not a passive and reluctant submission to events. The patient and hopeful endurance of undesirable circumstances I may identify the person as like externally vulnerable, but inwardly resilient and strong. Meekness does not identify the weak, but more precisely 
the strong, who have been placed in a position of weakness where they will persevere without giving up. So this posture of humility and meekness has us in this space between total self-effacement and total self-pride. It's between, you know, I'm nothing but ash and dust, or I have been, have the whole world's been created just for me, or you're in the middle of, I'm so pathetic, I can't do anything, to I'm so amazing, I don't need God. It's like finding this space in the middle. And Moses knew God, he knew himself, and from this position, he, he was able to stand up to Pharaoh, he led thousands of people out of Egyptian slavery, he sent, spent 40 days and nights on the top of Mount Sinai and he didn't eat or drink. He even called out his own people who he loved on their sin and their ingratitude. He argued with God. He argued with angels. He um, pleaded with God on behalf of the Israelites. He never gave up on the Israelites. He, I think if you've read Moses, you'll know he, uh, Exodus. He goes up and gets the tablets with the Ten Commandments on it, and then he smashes them when he sees what the people are doing. And the people grumbled for years and he put up with it. And he also faced his own fears of inadequacy. And he didn't always get that middle path right. There are times, and you, you read when you read his story, where he, he, he made mistakes. He overstepped and didn't let God work and paid consequences for that. But it's this amazing story of being able to be worked through by God whilst staying humble. And the verse um, in Exodus... Have I got it here? Yeah, Exodus 33, 12. I think this just sums up, it just sums it up so beautifully. And this is like right um, after God said, I talked to him as a friend, and right before he said, God, show me your face, like wanting to see and know more of God. And, and this is the verse we find in the middle, and it says, uh, Moses says to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And I love it because it's like, hey, he's sort of questioning God. You told me something and you didn't, you haven't told me the rest of it. Like just how we would say with a friend, right? Like, hey, you started that story and you never, you never finished it. And then he says, oh, I know that you know me by name and you found favor with me. He knows exactly his position before God. Then he says, please teach me more of your ways. He's humble enough to know that he hasn't arrived. He's got more, more to learn. And then he just throws in the end, don't forget your people. Like that's where Moses' heart was. He, it's this whole picture as, as the humility and the meekness come as, as Moses talks with God. So because of his unique relationship with God. He could have called down destructive power on, on his people, on, on the Egyptians. Well, there was some of that. Um, but he kept asking God to show restraint with his people and show love for them. And he showed his meekness to his people, his humility to God, and he just never gave any room for compromise. It, it is just an amazing story. If you have time to read Exodus, I can't say it enough this week to get the full picture. And so where does this leave us? This leaves us with our position and our posture, and it's God at work in us, growing into God's image. And, and like I said, if you read in Exodus, the first few chapters, three to seven, you have this beautiful picture of Moses saying, you know, as, as God's calling him, like, no. I don't really want to do that, <laughs> or I can't do that, or do you want to send someone else, or I don't, feel, I don't feel quite ready to do that. And there's this section in there where 
every time God answers him, I will, I will, I will, I will. And it's this idea of God is who we are growing into. We are growing into a person who serves him, loves him, and is like him. But he has already done it. He is already more than enough. This, this idea of anything we throw at him, he's got the I will statement to come back for it. It's just such an amazing, and it should be a, a place that brings us face to face with him with such um, relief in a way and such, such joy because he is going to... Um, to finish the sentence with, I will do it. Moses, in the first 40 years of his life, he grew up in Pharaoh's household as Pharaoh's son, and he was a somebody. Then he went for the next 40 years as a shepherd in the back paddocks of um, Egypt as a nobody. And then God called him and he became and saw what God does with working through a nobody. And that would be my encouragement to you today is just to know that God will answer your prayers with an I will. He will continue to work us into his image um, through his strength. But Joe this morning, actually, sorry, Joe, I'm going to call you out. He just said um, he's, he, he, this, this part of God making us into his image, I think is where we can share our faith with people and we can um, continue to be his light in the world because we can just talk about this process of God working on us. And this morning, Joe, I was talking to Joe, he went and helped Judy. Hi, Judy, if you're watching online, um, at her house. And she had a gap in the thing. And he said, yeah, I bought a piece of plywood 